Here we are at Pod and Market. Newark's municipal elections are in full swing. Walking around the city, you will see political advertisements promoting the different candidates running for office. According to the city clerk's office, there are 25 candidates running for 10 different offices, including mayor, councilperson at large, and councilperson for the respective wards across the city. You may see debates on local television, read profiles in newspapers, engage with campaign volunteers on the street, or even attend events with the candidates. Here on the podcast, we are striving to do our part in highlighting the importance of this election with interviews of candidates who have accepted our invitation to come on. Today, we have Councilwoman LaMonica McIver on to talk about her bid for re-election, her campaign for office, and her platform. Councilwoman McIver currently represents the Central Ward, which happens to be my district, on the Newark City Council, a seat she has held since 2018 when she was first elected to the position. She grew up in the Central Ward and is a graduate of Central High School, Bloomfield College, and Seton Hall University. Before holding elected office, she worked in Newark Public Schools, serving as a clerk, a systems analyst, and eventually as a human resources regional partner. She founded Newark Gals in Inc. in 2021, a nonprofit that provides enrichment camps for young women in Newark. Councilwoman McIver is also running on the Team Baraka ticket, which includes candidates endorsed by Mayor Baraka. So before we jump in, I just want to ask, uh, how are you doing today, Councilwoman? I'm doing good. Allergies are kicking my butt, but other than that, I'm doing good. Can't complain. How are you today? I'm fine. I'm. All, I also suffer from allergies. That's that's the problem with spring. It's it's both the beauty of the cherry blossoms, but also the, the terror of the pollen. <laughs> we all have to for live sure. with it. For sure. For uh, sure. Well, I'll take the I'll take the allergies for the <laughs> warm weather for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I guess I'll start off with asking you, um, you know, what do you think is the biggest issue facing the central ward right now? So I think one, we are facing a lot of issues. Sometimes I always get this question, like, what's the top one? And it's always hard to narrow down because the central ward is a very diverse place and different communities have different issues. And so for, for me, all of their issues are top priority. Um, I think for me, the number one thing right now is that the Central Ward is rapidly growing and we are constantly trying to find ways where we don't become, you know, the next gentrified city, um, you know, and we're not, you know, boxing people out or leaving people behind as we continue to grow. Um, so definitely striving with things like affordable housing, um, meeting different needs to address different crime issues here in the Central Ward, along with, you know, making sure we have a clean city. Um, those are some of the things that that we're you know currently struggling with um, that just has to do with growth um, and, and adjustments and transitions that we're going through in the ward altogether. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned gentrification uh, because I feel like that's an issue that affects the central ward uniquely. Um, it's a very um, a very very unique ward in that it contains a lot of elements of what we traditionally think of as Newark, but it also has a lot of these new towers and new buildings that are going up. And I'm wondering, what is it like representing this kind of district with both of those groups in it? So I was just saying um, before that, you know, at the end of the day, it can definitely be challenging, you know, to represent all of these different groups. But it, but at the end of the day, um, you know, we make it work because it is the most diverse ward um, here in the city. I think, you know, most of the time we get this conversation when we start to talk about gentrification and, um, you know, oh, it's gentrified. And I think most people believe that gentrification means that there are people who don't look like them that are moving into a city. Um, and that's automatically gentrification. 
gentrification. And the Central Ward, that's particularly very different because we're not knocking down locations to build up new locations and pushing people out, black and brown people out to go and move people in who are white. That's not what's happening. Um, because it's a growing ward and we're adding new development to spaces that wasn't development before, many being just empty lots for decades, um, many being parking lots that, that were just sitting for years, um, and then people attract to the city. So I, I think the, you know, at some point, of course, it probably won't be today on this podcast, but definitely there needs to be a conversation to really educate people on what gentrification is, what does it mean, you know, and, and all of the good parts that, good and, and negative parts that go um, with gentrification, because it's just not what, you know, the perception is all the time. Um, I think that the city is growing. Does that mean gentrification? It means the city's growing. That means that new people get to come here. And is it gentrified when we say black and brown people come here and they move from other places? Is that still gentrification? Um, you know, some people would say, oh, yeah, it is because it's still not Northers. But at the end of the day, we associate it with race, you know, on, on many occasions. And we're not like pushing people out to, you know, bring new people in. That's not what's happening um, in the Central Ward. Um, what actions do you think the city can take to help with the problems you just described and helping um New Yorkers who feel, you know, maybe uh, you're saying the city is growing, but they feel pushed out. Like, what is the best stuff that the city could do to help with that? So I think the number one thing that we're doing right now that's already in play is the inclusionary zoning ordinance, um, which was passed back in 2017 by our current mayor. I mean, there are so many cities that do not have that. Um, and the reason why they've seen, seen gentrification happen rapidly at a, a blink of a click of a finger. Um, I think, number one, having our IZO, which is our inclusionary zoning ordinance, which requires developers who are seeking, um, you know, abatements or subsidies from the city um, to have at least 20% affordable housing on site in these new developments or pay into the affordable housing trust fund. I think that that's a big way that we're helping to at least combat and slow down gentrification um, here in the city, um, or, or perhaps even combat it altogether. Which you know doesn't um, necessarily mean that people are being pushed out to pushed out into the city, pushed out of the city. And I think having that definitely gives us an upper hand on a lot of things here in the city as it relates to affordable housing and workers who are from here who are here now to stay here. Um, that's something that we're doing. We're even strengthening the ordinance as we speak, um, as we have submitted amendments to the zoning board and the central planning board to amend um, the current ordinance and make it stronger um, through our equitable growth commission, which is another um, tool and task that was established by this administration. We are looking at ways of how our city is growing and talking about it with a collective a group of people who are stakeholders in our city on how do we make that growth equitable. Um, um, and that's something that is another tool that, that we're using to help combat gentrification. Um, some other things that we're doing is Section 8 Home Ownership Program through our city's um, Invest Nork and Land Bank program, um, in addition to even creating our land bank program, which is the only land bank in the state of New Jersey, and the only city with the land bank in the state of New Jersey, which makes um, land available easier to Newark residents and those uh, small and uh, minority developers to be able to build more affordable housing and create home ownership through the city's land bank um, process. So those are just a few things that we are doing right now currently, and we look to 
team to do and strengthen those things to be able to, you know, combat gentrification um, and deal with some of our, you know, housing issues here in the city. Um, thank you for mentioning all those things. This actually leads into um, my next question, which is um, you've been in office for f uh, almost four years, not four years yet, but I'm wondering uh, what do you believe um, is the action that you've had that's had the most impact on either the central ward or the city as a whole? Um, well, I mean, we spent two years in COVID. So, I mean, that, that has to account for most of what we've been doing. I mean, definitely, I did not believe that being elected in 2018, I would be hit with the global pandemic less than two years later. I mean, it's just, I mean, I'm sure no one did. I mean, it's not just something that hit Newark, it hit the entire universe um, of what we were dealing with. And I think our, um, the impact that we've had and the action that we've taken just around COVID with keeping our people alive as best as we can and um, putting safety measures in place, um, you know, over these past two years is something that definitely can be commended and it has been commended um, here in the city um, of all of the work that we've done, being on the front lines and making sure people, you know, have food and had, you know, PPE protections. Um, I think those, that action alone, if you just take that for the past two years, that has been, you know, a major um, concept for me as the leader of the Central Ward and all of the work that I've done around COVID and, and been on the front lines with that. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned COVID because obviously it's the one of the biggest things that makes this year's elections different from every other year. I think the issues you mentioned around housing, around inclusionary zoning, those have always been issues, but COVID is such a new thing. And I'm wondering what, um, what do you think Newark's going to look like um, in the upcoming years, I want to say post-COVID because I think COVID will always be around and something we're going to have to deal with. But I'm wondering, what do you think will be the work that Newark needs to do um, to help adjust from this crisis? Oh, we have to do so much. I mean, one, with our school district, our babies, you know, they came back to school just in, I think, seriously, honestly, a culture shock. Um, we've had so many issues with our young people um, just being, you know, left out of school for so long and trying to adjust to get back and trying to get young people back into school has definitely been a challenge, you know, and I think dealing with that piece alone is a whole, you know, arena of things that we need to do, especially dealing with social and emotional emotional learning concepts um, for our young people. And even with our grown adults, our senior citizens, you know, our families, some folks have, you know, been out of work. Um, some folks have, you know, have to deal with eviction um, issues and back rent um, issues, those things that we're still trying to pull ourselves out of and, and provide assistance um, to families for that. Um, I think one, dealing with the social and emotional issues um, and depression for our residents alone. I mean, some people were stuck in a household for so long some lost a lot of family members which is just ongoing trauma that we have to continue to deal with um, many things that are a, a pour out from um, COVID which is the increase in some of our crime and violence here in the city um, we're dealing with that um, it, it's just trying to get people back together again during our last um, last summer we had a, a huge rollout in the city um, which we were calling back together again which was 
there's a big initiative around our summer months of trying to have an increased amount of activity, um, positive activity that meets the you know needs and culture of all of our residents here in the city, no matter what ward they're in, um, and trying to just get people back into the business of being being around one another again, learning how to enjoy one another again, and kind of getting back to the way things used to be. And like you mentioned, Manny, we'll never be back there, right? We'll never, um, well, we won't be back there anytime soon, shall I say. I mean, definitely, you know, we, we may, things may change when we get back to what we're used to knowing pre, pre-COVID, but I think, you know, COVID is here with us for a while and we're trying to get back into the swing of things of how do we push forward um, and really, you know, uh, shed light into what COVID has done um, to our communities all across the states and all across the world. Um, but how do we really push forward to be in a positive light and deal with a lot of the um, effects that um, COVID has had on us. And so it's a moving part, you know, it's a moving part. It's different moving plans, different sections of the plans to, you know, address many of the issues. And and it's it's really difficult, but at the same time, it's work that we have to do and everybody um, has a piece in it. And it takes collaboration and partnership with many entities to be able to address many of these needs. Um, But it definitely is something hard work and hard pulling that, you know, may even be requiring more funding to come from our federal government um, to be able to assist because local municipalities cannot even address all of the issues just based off a regular budget. I couldn't help but notice that you led the answer to the question with the effect that COVID has had on students. And I'm wondering how much does your background in working in your public schools and running an education nonprofit inform what you do and how you approach um, your role as a council person. Oh, well, definitely with our young people. I mean, me being a young person that grew up, you know, definitely in need of a lot, you know, specifically life skills and um, guidance and mentorship. Um, it's something that I kind of base my life on. You know, that was the reason why I started North Gals Inc. in 2012, because if I had not had the mentors and support that I had growing up, I mean, I wouldn't be here today. You surely wouldn't be having an interview with me. Um, and I think those people who helped those women who helped me, both women and men, but more so women who helped me get from point A to point B all the time, um, definitely is the key factor in my success today. And so I know that young people need that. I mean, sometimes we think it's just a mentorship, you know, opportunity where you get your mentee for a day, you spend a little time and, you know, that's it. You go to some type of amusement and, and that's it. No, our young people, specifically in today's time, need assistance distance each and every day, sometimes multiple times a day with some of the things that they're challenged with, Um, you know, even pre-COVID, but especially now after COVID, um, just having someone to be able to help them through the things that they are being challenged with in today's time um, is definitely something that I believe, you know, my experience of growing up and my experience in starting um, two nonprofits has given me um, and working in the educational field right now in my education 
educational sector. I'm currently dealing with homeless youth, um, homeless youth as well as youth that are um, considered to be migrant eligible, which they have families that move from different farms um, and work and they require supplementary educational services. Those are some of the things that kind of give me the experience that I need to kind of lead every day on both fronts, but specifically definitely in um, the, the council uh, role. Um, you definitely need it, you know, but at the same time, it, there's so much more to um, our ward other than just our youth, you know, there are a lot of different things challenging, but just leadership as a whole, um, I think definitely it has prepared me um, from everything that I've had to do in my life and then all in my professional experience um, to now. Um, homelessness, uh, as you mentioned, is, is obviously a huge issue. And those without houses, you know, looking um, for, for places to, to, you know, survive and, and stay. Um, I think it's particularly an issue in the Central Ward where it's most visible. Um, you know, if you go to Penn Station, you see quite a few people who um, are, you know, needs, who are asking or need services or are trying to get by. And I'm wondering what actions should the city take around homelessness and those who um, are seeking shelter? Well, I think the city is taking a lot of actions already around homelessness. Um, at first, the Penn, Penn Station is not necessarily the central ward, it's the east. Oh, yes, that's <laughs> true. that is true. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> But, folk, but folks <laughs> usually all the time tie it into the central world, which is fine. We're one city dealing with the same issues. Um, I think that now, you know, we see some sort of homelessness in all wards. Rather, it's a, a, a one person or two persons, you know, spread out. But we do encounter it in every ward. I think some of the things that we've taken here in the city um, is somewhat what you call a gift and a curse, to be honest with you. Um, we have opened so many homeless shelters. We partner with so many agencies and entities to do placement um, and social services. We've opened up the Hope Village here in the Central Ward, which is a, a, a component of um, container homes um, made out, you know, made out of container homes to provide housing to homeless, to our residents without addresses. We just opened the Miller Street location um, for, you know, a shelter. And so we offer so many resources here, which honestly, the it picks up the amount of homeless um, folks who are coming to our city. Um, and, you know, it, Many times we have other municipalities that are surrounding us that actually put their homeless folks out of their city and tell them to come to the city of North because of the resources that we have here. So you see a growing rapid, um, you know, number of people coming here and then folks are looking at North local officials of a city that's already pressed to say, hey, what are you going to do about these folks that are coming here? And, you know, us being a very loving and welcoming city, we're providing as much help as we can you know we are providing housing we're directing them to you know Exus county division of you know welfare to get assistance we're trying to partner with Rutgers behavioral science department to offer um you know a mental assistance we are partnering with our you know hope one facility to be able to well our hope one mobile unit along with our other partners like integrity house to be able to get drug and alcohol abuse assistance for our residents without addresses so there's a lot of different movements 
moving parts of it. But it's also, you know, a disadvantage for us because, you know, it's not just something that we can be able to fix just on a local level, especially when you talk about factoring in um, residents without addresses that are coming here from different states. I'm not sure if you've, you know, spent any time to speak with residents without addresses, but they are not like from Newark, you know, on many occasions, you know, um, you see them, you're like, I, I remember speaking to a guy just last week on Friday who told me he was from Chicago. He got here, you know, last week and I'm like, well, how did you get here from Chicago? They're like, well, we took a train. We heard about, you know, some of the resources you guys have here. And so, you know, it, it's, I think people have this idea that folks are just all from the city of Newark, but they're not, you know? And so at the end of the day, we're dealing with a lot of that as well. And we need assistance from our state partners as well as our federal partners to be able to offer, you know, more um, housing around it. Definitely a key component of, you know, ending homelessness is around housing, permanent housing, as well as um, transitional services um, for our residents without addresses like a job. Some of them require mental um, assistance, mental and emotional assistance and counseling, as well as drug and alcohol abuse counseling. So there's many, many different moving parts, as well as job training, um, which is, you know, the number one thing in job placement. Um, to be able to deal with some of their issues. But, you know, these are some of the things that we've already been doing um, that we have a proven track record of. It's just a matter of we keep getting um, our numbers increased each and every day when we're receiving individuals from out of state as well as other municipalities. Um, so I think um, a lot of people are, you know, don't necessarily know what a council person does. And one of the primary functions of the city council itself is to propose and pass uh, laws affecting city services. And I'm wondering, you know, if there's a piece of legislation you would prioritize and take over, what would it be? Like, what would be the law that you would be proud of seeing pass in the council that you could take ownership over? Well, I mean, I've passed legislation in the past, just in four years of being on the council. And one of my proud ones is just the increase in housing security um, and putting the ownership on owners with the accountability on ownership to provide safety to our residents. Um, so I'm very proud about that legislation that literally I worked really hard on. Um, new legislation that we've been looking into is definitely looking at um, increased penalties for slum landlords here in the city. Um, honestly, on an average day, I get a lot of complaints from tenants. Um, most of the time, most of the calls that we get into our office, most of the people who stop me and rather they're cursing me out or smiling, you know, at me, they're telling me about a problem with their landlord, um, you know, uh, and, and things that they're dealing with with their landlord, things that they, don't, that they don't have and by ordinance they're supposed to have. So to me, I think that that's really a, a, a crucial problem here in the city for us. And one of the things that we're definitely looking at is harsher um, penalties for landlords, um, all the way equaling up to jail time. Um, some of the things that we, we are dealing with with landlords here in the city is disgusting. Um, and we should not allow them to get off the hook. We we do have a full-fledged working code enforcement department who works extremely hard here in the city. And for the amount of work um, that, you know, we have to deal with around city ordinances and compliance, I mean, we probably need a whole army of people um, to get people into the um, idea that they have to do better, they must do better, and there is no 
um, way that you can do less than that here in the city of Newark. And this comes from, you know, 20 plus years of leadership that, you know, maybe it wasn't um, a priority. When we came into office, I know the current administration under our mayor, there was like one code enforcement officer left. Um, we've grown our department up to about 30 plus staff members in code enforcement currently right now that are working in the city and that's not even enough. So imagine what one code enforcement officer was doing um, prior to Mayor Baraka coming into office. Definitely not nearly enough um, that we need them to do. So, uh, you know, for, for me, I'm definitely looking at those stricter um, legislation to be able to hold landlords accountable and responsible for um, tenants living situations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, before I close out the podcast, I just want to uh, turn it over to you. And um, if there's anything else you wanted to share or, you know, sort of your sort of visions for the future and the inspirational um, stuff you're thinking about. No, for sure. First of all, I just want to thank you for having me on and giving me the opportunity um, to be able to chat with you um, and talk about, you know, things we've done and and things we look forward to doing. Um, I think that, you know, I have definitely um, proven in a short period of time being the freshman, I say freshman all the time with the council um, and being the youngest um, woman ever elected and the youngest person serving on the council. Surely I have, you know, put in the work and, and definitely been visible and been a true advocate um, and creative council person um, on the council. And and definitely I'm looking forward to returning to finish the work, you know, to finish the unfinished business that we have. It is just extremely difficult um, to get work done in just one term and specifically in one term where you had a global pandemic. And so I'm definitely asking for, you know, Central War residents to, you know, put their faith into me again for a second term um, and be with me you know, to reelect me to the sexual seat on May 10th. And so definitely, um, you know, our, our ward is going forward. We don't need to go backwards. We definitely need to continue to push forward um, and continue to grow and continue to, you know, make our ward better. And so uh, definitely to the Central Ward residents that may be listening, definitely feel free to start to get engaged if you haven't already with my office. Um, We do so many things to try to keep residents informed and engaged because we can't do anything. No council person can do anything um, in this city if we don't have our residents informed and engaged of what's happening. Um, So definitely, you know, visit our website, visit my website at www.lamonicamcgyver.com to see how you can be engaged, how you can stay informed of the great things happening here in this central ward and surely mark your calendars on Tuesday, May 10th to be able to um, vote for me and vote for our mayor and entire team, Baraka, um, on May 10th. So I want to thank you, Manny, for um, definitely uh, uh, putting up with me and my allergies for the past 20 minutes and my sniffling. Um, But surely I would not have missed the opportunity to get on um, and be able to inform residents and, and speak with you about the upcoming election and things we've been working on. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, for the listeners, I will include in the show notes links not only to your website, but to um, to information about where to register to vote and where do you need to vote. I have access to that stuff. Um, but that's it for this episode. I would like to thank our guest, Councilwoman LaMonica McIver. Um, this is Manny Antunes, host and producer of the Pot of Market podcast, editing and sound engineering by Bob Fraze. Podcast and logo design provided by Robert Conti. Additional creative input by Samantha Cateus. If you'd like to have a subject you'd like to hear discuss on the podcast, please email podandmarket at gmail.com or contact the pod through social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. 
And uh, that's it for this episode. So thank you.